You know, when I was a kid, speaking of forests, when I was a kid, uh, right behind my house, there was a woods. And there was two boys across the street from me that were about the same age. I was kind of in between the two brothers. And throughout uh, my elementary school, late elementary schools when I moved to Chattanooga and all throughout high school, we took that woods and we transformed that woods. Now we, at the time when I was growing up, BMX bicycles were huge. Uh, if you watch uh, Gen X games, you'll probably see them on there. And at some point I wanted to be a professional bicycle rider. My dad's like, you mean you're going to ride a bike when you're 27 years old? I'm like, yeah, dad. Um, but so we, we were into the, the woods. And so we created our own kingdom in this woods. I mean, we had an incredible race course in this wood with jumps and curves and all sorts of things like that. And so we'd get out there after school and we'd race in the woods, our bikes and things. And it was really fun. We also had these like forts that we built in our woods and they were really cool because uh, some of them, like I had one in particular kind of on the one edge of the woods that was just war- had enough shelter for the rain. And I remember many times going out to my little shelter and sitting there all by myself in the rain, you know, under the leaves and stuff. And it was so cool. And, and I would think about, you know, uh, trigonometry and the deep things of life uh, there. Not really, but uh, that was really kind of my kingdom. And we loved it. I mean, we played war games out in that woods. We had a big sewer pipe that ran through the middle. If you got caught, you got tied upside down hanging from the sewer pipe. You know, just stupid stuff that kids do. But that was our kingdom. And I remember our senior year, that word came to us that a developer wanted our kingdom. And he wanted to build houses in our kingdom. And I remember we plotted about putting sugar in the gas tanks of the bulldozers and everything that we could do to stop them from overtaking our kingdom, right? Uh, Unfortunately, they won, and now there's houses there, so no more woods. But isn't it cool when you feel like you've got your own kingdom? You know, do you remember when you first moved out on your own? Hopefully you have that experience. Actually coming to church here every time I go by my very first apartment that I lived in. You can see it right here from the freeway. And uh, it was right over here by the old, I believe, Marsh Distribution Center. And, um, and I remember boy, the first time I got my little efficiency apartment with a trundle bed you pulled out of the wall. And, uh, you know, I had, it, was, it was furnished and it was my kingdom. It was great. For about a year between colleges there, I lived over here on the east side, and, and so it was really cool. Nobody could tell me on Saturday when to get up, when to go to bed, what to eat, what to eat. It was my place. Y'all remember that? And it's great having your own kingdom, right? I mean, if, if you have a house, you have your own little kingdom. You can set the rules, right? Especially, you know, if you want to paint that bedroom purple, you paint it purple as long as your wife agrees, correct? So, you know, you have your own kingdom. If you want to take out the old shag carpet, you can take out the old shag carpet because you have your own kingdom. I mean, a kingdom is a place where you are the authority and every one of us likes the kingdom to be in control because we are people who like to be in control of our kingdom. That's just the way we are wired. All of us want to have a certain amount of control. The hardest thing when when a person gets older is losing some of that control because we want control. We want to know when we're going to, we can control when we get up, when we go to sleep, while we eat, how late we stay up, all those things. We love that control. 
Well, prior to Easter, we started a series called uh, How to Pray, and it's called I Pray. And, and we're going to jump back into that series before we go into the series on, called I Sin. And because I want to talk to, the, to you about the matter of prayer, because we, Why Do We Pray was the first sermon. I talked about the fact that everybody prays. Even atheists will pray if they're put under enough pressure, right? Because everybody feels this desire to connect, right? Now, as followers of Christ... We're not just connecting with nothing, we're connecting with God the Father. And as a follower of Jesus, you and I have that desire, I hope you do, you should, to connect with God the Father. And and so we talked about the reason we even pray in the first place is because God has created us this desire to connect with Him. And then we looked at, uh, you know, how should we pray? And, and we talked to, right before Easter, the next sermon, was talking about that we need to pray with confidence. And we began, look, we, we based all this on the Lord's Prayer, our Father. And, and, and the disciples went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray because there's that desire to connect. And, and then we looked at how to pray, and Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. And we, we unpack that whole thing. And, and, and the way we pray is to pray with confidence because we are adopted into God's family. He is our Father. And we went back to Exodus and the fact that God said, I am, you know, slow to anger and compassionate and all merciful and gracious and loving. And this is the Father we have. And so we can pray with confidence. Now, I want to pick that series back up and let's go to Luke chapter 11 again. And I want to talk about today what to pray. What to pray. So we, the reason why we pray is we want to connect to God. The how we pray is we need to pray in confidence because we're praying to our heavenly Father. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is your Father. I want to go today to Luke chapter 11 and talk about what to pray. So let's go back to Luke chapter 11, and, and we're going to just go back to verse 2 here. And uh, so his disciples have come to Jesus and asked him, teach us to pray. And again, it's very interesting. The only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them to do was to pray. They never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach or how to do miracles. It was to how to pray. And he said to them, verse 2, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. And we talked about that. Your kingdom come. So whenever you pray, connect to Father. He is your Father. You are adopted into His family, and you need to pray, Your kingdom come. Now, I know you're like, wow, this is the third week we've been chomping on these two verses, right? Because I don't think that we've really fully grasped the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all grew up praying the Lord's Prayer in church? Oh, a lot, yeah. A lot of us have as, as, as things. And I, I think sometimes we just pray it, and we don't really unpack it and pull it apart. And so the reason I'm really going through this, this passage very slowly is I want us to understand everything that Jesus is getting here. So, because too often when you and I pray, don't we often pray this way? Lord, I need a job. Lord, you know, I, I need a, a new house. Lord, I'm just praying that you'll, you know, tell people to stop bothering me or things like that. Or Lord, I just, you know, really wish it would stop snowing. You know, how many times do we pray, and that's just kind of the way we pray? In fact, I would say that the problem with a lot of us, and it's easy to do, it's easy to treat God like a cosmic vending machine. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. I need a raise. I need a job. I need a newer house. Lord, I, I need my kids to, 
to do this or to do that and things like that. And, and, and so, so Jesus says, okay, you guys want to know how to pray? You pray to connect to Father. You pray with confidence because he's your Father. And here's what you pray. Your kingdom come. Now, what in the world does that mean? I want you to skip ahead just for a moment to verses 9 and 10 in Luke chapter 11. Because you may be saying, well, Jim, you know, when I pray and I pray for a new job, a new house, a new car, aren't I doing what God said? Let's look at verses 9 and 10. So I say to you, this is Jesus, so I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now let me ask you, have you ever prayed for God to do something and it seems like God does the exact opposite? Lord, give me a raise. And you get demoted. Or, you know, you, you pray for something. Lord, you pray for healing. Lord, I, I just pray that... My aunt will be healed. Lord, she's gotten a horrible diagnosis, and I pray that you'll heal her and that you'll restore her, but she doesn't get healed. And and then you come to this verse here, and Jesus says in verse 9 and 10, for whoever asks receives, and you're like, God, I don't get it. I ask for this. You told me if I ask, I'll receive. You told me if I'll seek, I'll find. If I knock, it'll be open. God, I'm knocking on the doors. I'm seeking, I'm asking, and you're not doing what I'm wanting. You know, I sometimes watch real estate shows, and there's a saying that they say in real estate shows. You know what it is? Three words. Location, location, location. That when you're going to sell real estate, it's all about location. You may have a great house, but if it's in not a great location, you're going to have a hard time selling it. You may have a bad house, but if it's in a great location, you'll have an easy time selling it. When we uh, lived in Carmel, before we moved, uh, we hadn't even put our house on the market. We just listed the realtor, and within two days it was gone. You know, location, 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 because apparently somebody really wanted to be in, in that part of the, of the city. So when you look at the Bible, it's not location, location, location. It's context, context, context. Because let me tell you something. You can pull anything out of the Bible and make it say anything you want to say. You always need to look at it in the context of what's being said. So Luke verses 9 and 10, there is are, are a few verses away from where we started at today. So I, I, wa- I want to look at, because it's so easy, so many people pull verse 10 out of context. Let's go back to what Jesus said, whatever you ask receives, and whatever you seek finds, and the knock and the door will be opened. So some people are like, Lord, I was asking, and I didn't get it. I was seeking, and I didn't get it. I was knocking, and it didn't open for me. And so a lot of times, Christ followers are tempted to say, prayer doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. God hates me. God doesn't care. I'm a failure and things like that. And and unfortunately, we live in a culture today with a lot of preachers who are saying, if you didn't get what you asked for, you just didn't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you'd get it. Is that what Jesus said? What is the context here of verses 9 and 10? Well, let's go back. Before Jesus said verses 9 and 10, he gave us verse 2. He said, when you pray, what you need to pray for is your kingdom 
come. Now, usually, in, 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 whenever there's a list in Scripture, the first thing listed is usually the most important thing. It's the weightiest thing. So before Jesus gets into the rest of what we see in the Lord's Prayer as far as requests, the very first thing Jesus says is, your kingdom come. Before he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and lead us not to temptation, the very first thing that Jesus says is, your kingdom come. Before Jesus starts talking about asking and receiving and seeking and knocking, before he says any of that, the first thing he says is, your kingdom come. Why is it that Jesus says that? Why is that your kingdom come the foundation of everything that builds on top of it? Because without understanding what that phrase means, everything else doesn't make sense. See, the challenge, the prayer, if you want to know what to pray, the request is, your kingdom come. The challenge is to pray for the presence of the kingdom of God. Before we get into anything else, the first thing, the first starting point for all of us is your kingdom come. Now let me break it down. Your. He's talking about God the Father. So, Father, your kingdom. Your kingdom, Father. Not my kingdom. Not my kingdom. Your kingdom come. Now, the word kingdom is a place where the king's authority is manifested. Like, you know, when you get your house, you know, you walk in, your, king, your house is your castle. You know, your, your authority is manifested, so to speak, in that house. All right? You can decide what you're going to cook for dinner, things like that. So when I pray, your father kingdom, I'm praying for the place where your authority is being manifested. And then he says, your kingdom Come. That word is a verb, and there's a lot packed in that word come there in the original language, in that little verb right there. First of all, it's a command. Your kingdom come. I am praying, Father, that your kingdom will be there. It's a heartfelt plea. Father, I want to see your kingdom set up. I, I, I desire to see your kingdom come. I, I intend to see your kingdom come in my life. Second of all, that, that little verb is a call to action. It, it's the action of the Father's kingdom. I am, I, am, I am praying for your kingdom, a call to action that your kingdom will be set up in that life. Now, let me tell you, on the one hand, the Father's kingdom will not be manifested on this earth until the second coming of Jesus. At that point, it will be fully manifested on this earth. Okay, as it is in heaven. But his kingdom began to be manifested when Jesus came. It will ultimately reach its culmination when he comes back, but it is in process now. And so what we need to be praying for is that, Father, we, we, we are praying that your kingdom is being made manifest on this earth. Now, how do you do that? How, how do I become a part of that? The way I become a part of that is I share the gospel with people for the Father for his kingdom. The second way is I live in holiness. I live in a way that promotes the Father's holiness, that reveals the Father's holiness, and that's the way I do it. So, so to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, Father, your kingdom come, is to pray that, Lord, I am praying for the day when your rule is being made manifest on this earth. But until that day, I am going to live in light of that. I am going to share the gospel, and I am going to be a person that lives out your holiness. It's a heartfelt desire to see God's kingdom on earth. Now, so let, me, let me just make this clear. When we get that, if our overarching prayer is for Father's kingdom to come, then everything else is secondary. Houses, toys, cars, benefits, health. 
All of that's secondary to Father's kingdom. See, so many times we flip it. So many times our prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven, my kingdom come. Because this is what I want. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's your kingdom come first. And when you do that, everything else becomes secondary. So let's go back to our dilemma in verse 9 here where we skipped ahead. So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Now again, like I said, the temptation for us is to treat God like a cosmic vending machine. God, I ask you for healing and you didn't heal. So I give up. God, I ask you for you know, a new home, and you didn't give me a new home. God, I asked you for a job that was going to pay me at least $25,000 an hour, and you didn't give it to me. So I'm just going to give up. So when the job fails, the health fails, those things fail, we just say, God doesn't care. You don't understand what Jesus is teaching. That's not his kingdom. That's your kingdom. The very first thing you pray is your kingdom Cars, jobs, all those things are nice, but they're all temporary, folks. It's all temporary. Father's kingdom is eternal. Father's kingdom is souls being saved. Souls are eternal. Father's kingdom will be manifested on this earth as it is now in heaven for eternity. So many times we get so focused on the temporary. And Jesus says, I want you to focus on the big picture. And he says that verb there, it, that verb, your kingdom come, is an idea of keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking and things like that. So, so your desire should be, Lord, I, I just want to see you to reign supreme on the earth. And it delights Father to see those things. He says, for everyone who asks, and again, we're not talking about asking for new cars. We're asking for God to manifest his presence. For everyone who asks, receives it. In other words, if you are praying to see God at work, guess what? You're going to see it. Everyone who searches, finds. If you're looking for where God is at work, you'll find where he's at work. If you keep knocking... And that knock is so that to see the Father's kingdom manifested, those doors will open. You see, so many times we've missed the foundation of these verses. It's not about getting what everything I want. So here's the challenge. The request is, your kingdom come. Why do you pray? The first thing you and I have to pray is, Father, I want your kingdom, not mine, to be made manifest. And let me tell you some things that happen. If you and I will grasp this simple truth, it changes your perspective when you pray. Now, is it wrong to ask God for things? No, Paul says, let your requests be made known. But it changes your perspective about those requests. It changes how you pray about things. Health, buildings, toys, all that stuff become not as important because your perspective has changed. You become more focused on, Father, I want to see you at work. So, so maybe it's like this. Instead of, Father, I pray that that person at that work will be fired. Father, I pray that you'll help me to manifest your 
kingdom in my heart. And I pray for Susie Q that she'll come to know Christ. And I pray you'll open a door that I can share the gospel with her. Father, I would like to have, you know, a new house in a nicer part of the city. But Father, I pray that although that's my desire, my desire more importantly is to see your kingdom come. So I pray, Father, that if your desire to keep me here, that I'll be a light to my neighborhood. Why do you have me here, Father? Who can I minister to in your name? Who can I share the love of Christ with in your name? Father, where are you working at in my neighborhood? You see how that changes your perspective? When you pray for Father's kingdom, it changes your perspective. Uh, let me give you another thing. It changes your attitude. It's not about you. When you and I pray, it's not about us. So many times it is, right? Let's, let's fess up to it. Most of the time, it's about us. Give me, give me, give me. This is what I want, I want, I want. You need to do this. Help me do this. But if we pray his kingdom come, it changes our attitude. Not from what can I get from God, but how can I partner with God? Father, how can I partner with you to see your kingdom come? It changes your attitude about people. Father, John's really toxic. He's really, really giving me a hard time. And Father, my sinful nature just really wants to punch him in the face. But I pray your kingdom come in my heart. So help me, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be kind. Because I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that one. Help me to be gentle when he yells at me. Help me, Father, to be self-controlled. Because my prayer is that John, who needs Savior, will come to know Christ because he sees a difference in my life. Because he sees that in my heart, you're the king and not me. Y'all see the difference? That's the difference. What to pray? Your kingdom come. Changes your attitude. Changes your perspective. It also changes your heart. It also changes your heart. Your heart's desire, instead of being focused on your kingdom where you reign, is on his kingdom where he reigns. It softens your heart. It also <laughs> changes your stress level. It will change your stress level. If we can only grasp this. Because you know what? We get so stressed because we want our kingdom. If we would stop worrying about our little kingdom, which is, by the way, temporary, and worry about his kingdom, and not really worry about it, but just let his kingdom, ask his kingdom to be manifested in you, if we will do that, hey, God's in control, right? It's his kingdom. So if we'll be like, hey, Lord, I just want to partner with you, and you show me where your work, it reduces your stress level. You know, sometimes with salvation, we feel like we've got to push people into becoming saved. Listen, if you can argue somebody into salvation, somebody else can argue them out of it. You need to make sure that you're being that salt in life and sharing that witness and let Christ do the work. Don't you carry the burden. Let him do the work. All you're there is to be that facilitator as the Holy Spirit works in their life. Or maybe it's a wayward Christian. 
You can't change them. But if they're truly a follower of Christ, they have the Holy Spirit, so pray that his kingdom be made manifest in their life, and you manifest God's kingdom in your life as an example to them. And you don't, have, you know, don't sit here and worry about them. That, they're God's child. Let God take care of them, but you be there for them. It reduces your stress level when you get it. So, again, as we're looking at this topic of prayer, and it's, it's so easy to get... You know, Lord, give me this, Lord, give me that, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. And I understand, and again, there's nothing wrong with making our requests known, but make your requests known in the context of the Father's kingdom. I would give you a challenge this week. Go back, and we may, we may touch this next week, go back and look at the prayers of the apostles. Go back and look at how Paul prayed. For people. Peter prayed. Look at the prayers of the apostles as they're recorded in scripture. I don't think you'll see anywhere where Paul says, God, I pray that you'll let me out of this prison. He said, I've learned in all situations to be content. He prayed for open doors. Why did he pray for those doors? For God's kingdom to be made manifest. God sometimes closed the door and said, nope, I got something over here. Did Paul complain? No. Because he was all about God's kingdom. So apparently God was working over here. Paul didn't worry about praying for a new chariot or, you know, the newest device. He prayed that the hearts may, your hearts may be enlightened. I pray that Christ may live through you. He was praying for the kingdom be made manifest. So here's my challenge to you as we're in this series talking about prayer. I, I challenge you this week... To listen to yourself as you pray. Is it always about me, 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 and what I want and what I need you to do and all that? Or is the foundation built on the kingdom, your father kingdom, place where your, man, your glory is manifest, your authority is manifest? My prayer is your kingdom come. I desire that. I intend that. I want to see that. Is that how you're going to pray? So my challenge for you this week is to pray for the presence of the kingdom of God to be made manifest in your life, to be made manifest in the life of the church. Keep seeking. If you're seeking his kingdom, you will see it. If you keep knocking for his kingdom to come, the doors will be open. If you keep asking... His kingdom, you'll see it given to you. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I just want to thank you for the blessed confidence that we have just to be able to call you Father. And I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here today who has never responded to your conviction in their heart and has never repented of their sins and never placed their faith and trust in Christ, that today they will do that. They're right there in their seat. They'll say, I, I want to turn from my sin. Please save me, Lord. Please save me. Father, for those of us who have done that and responded, thank you that we can legitimately connect with you and call you Father. Your name is holy. You're compassionate. You're gracious. You're loving. You're faithful. 
And Father, I pray this week that we will all pray that the foundation, the bedrock of our prayer will be that we want to see your kingdom where your authority is manifested in our lives. Father, forgive us when we treat you like a cosmic vending machine. Forgive us when we think it's all about us. It's really about you and seeing your glory manifest. So, Father, I pray this week, as we pray, that we'll listen to what we're saying. And at the foundation, we will say, am I praying about my kingdom or Father's kingdom? I pray, Father, as a church, that our prayer lives will be revolutionized by going back to what Jesus taught us. How to pray. What to pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful fellowship. We thank you for this time we can be together this morning. We pray that you'll be honored and glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.